This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. Throughout the month of uh, March, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is a a Pentecostal thing, but in reality, the Holy Spirit is a biblical thing. Um, It was Jesus who said uh, to his disciples just before he was arrested, he said, I have to go away, but I'm going to send somebody after me, and he will... Um, do for you what I can't do. He will do. For, he will remind you of things I've talked about. He will teach you things. He will empower you, and that's what we've been talking about throughout this month. A Christian life, regardless of your denomination, regardless of your background, a Christian lives empowered by the Spirit. You cannot live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You simply can't. And sadly, sometimes, unfortunately, uh, we're a little bit embarrassed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Sometimes, even in Pentecostal churches, we don't want to talk about it too much because people will think we're fanatics. And sometimes we just want to pretend he's not there. But the reality is you need the Holy Spirit in your life. We all need him every day of our lives because he's the one who helps us. He is God at work on the earth, and he's the one who's at work in us. And so we've been talking about that. Um, Throughout the scriptures, there are numerous pictures used to describe the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, Wind, oil, different ones. Two I want to just mention briefly today are um, a river. Uh, Jesus said, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit who, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus says that the Holy Spirit produces in us or is in us rivers of living water, rivers of life, and, and they're rivers, they're not lakes, right? The Spirit doesn't flow into us and stay there. That would become a lake, And we could enjoy its blessings, but that's not what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is meant to flow through us. It flows in and flows out. That's what the river of life does. Flows into us and out to other people. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He's a river of life flowing in our hearts. The second picture we talk about uh, is fire. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, um, it talks about being baptized by the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, This is John the Baptist speaking about Christ who would come after him. Uh, In the Old Testament, we have a picture of the Israelites being led through the wilderness, uh, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the fire represents the Holy Spirit. And we talk about that. Of course, we we talk about the fact that the fire cleanses and purifies and uh, directs us and empowers us and all the things that, that... fire does. And so as we look at these flames today, these candles, these candles, um, we're we're reminding ourselves that uh, the the Spirit of God is in each one of us. So just as this candle represents you, uh, the light represents the Spirit of God in you. Every person 
has the Spirit of God in them. So I want to talk real quickly today about how we treat the Holy Spirit, how we respond to the Holy Spirit. And first of all, I want to do it from a negative point of view, how not to treat the Holy Spirit. Um, there are some specific instructions in Scripture that tell us there are certain things we shouldn't do when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So let's just go through them rather quickly. Uh, first of all, we shouldn't ignore the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't ignore him. We need to recognize him. Um, sometimes we pretend he doesn't exist. Do you ever have a relative like this person? They're, they're a member of the family. We just don't want to acknowledge them. We just want to pretend they don't exist. I remember when I was in school. I don't, can't remember if it was elementary school or high school. I can't really remember. But I do remember doing it. It was one of the first things I ever really remember in school. And I had to do a, a study on a guy by the name of Leon Trotsky. Anybody know Leon Trotsky? I spent all that time in school learning about him. And none of you know who he is. He was, a, he was a leading communist in the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia back in the early 1900s. And he was close associates with uh, Lenin and Stalin and all those people. But he fell out of favor with uh, Stalin. He fell out of favor with Lenin. And they decided to remove him from history. Now, this is long before computers and cut and paste and all that. They literally took photographs of him and removed him from the photographs so that he didn't even exist in history. In the top photos, you'd see the same photo. Uh, he's pictured in the left-hand side, and in the right-hand side where he should be, he's gone. He's completely gone. Now, Stalin did that a lot. In the second picture down below, you have Stalin and, and four, uh, three other people, but one of the guys fell into disfavor, so they completely removed him from the picture. That's somehow how we treat the Holy Spirit. We kind of don't want to talk about him. We know he's there. All the creeds acknowledge him. We all say we believe in the Holy Spirit, but we are afraid to talk about him because we're afraid that people will think we're a little crazy, we're a little fanatical, and you know, we, we really talk about Jesus more than the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was given to remind us who Jesus is. In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was given to glorify Jesus. And so we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said you need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can't hide from the Holy Spirit. We can't pretend he's not here. Second thing that we sometimes do on a negative basis, and the scripture tells us not to, it says do not quench or stifle the Holy Spirit. Uh, one translation says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Um, the Spirit of God wants to work in our lives, and it's possible for us to hinder the working of the Spirit, to stifle it, to put out the fire a little bit, to, to not let it burn as brightly as we want it to burn or as he wants to burn. The full passage is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 22, where it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what's good, stay away from every kind of evil. Sometimes we can stifle or hinder the work of the Spirit by how we deal with things in our lives that we know are not good. We sometimes cling to things that are not good for us. And sometimes we shy away from things that are good for us. And the Spirit, God tells us that we need to hold on to that which is good and we need to stay away from that which is evil. 
Sometimes we hinder God's spirit by scoffing at things. We see God at work and we just, maybe it, maybe it offends us some way, you know, embarrasses us in some way. So we kind of pretend that that's not for us. That's really not of God. And we kind of like shove it off to the side. Sadly, in our churches, many times in our churches, we stifle the work of the Holy Spirit. God wants to do more in us but we just kind of want to hold them at bay. Maybe it's because we're afraid that if we go too far, you know, we'll become too fanatical or too crazy or too enthusiastic or whatever. And so we just kind of hold the Holy Spirit at bay and we tend to stifle the things that he wants to do in our, in our lives. And of course, the, the scripture tells us not to do that. A third thing that we tend to do with the Holy Spirit, we're told not to, and that's lie to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, um, we have the story of uh, a, a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who, um, who lied to the Holy Spirit, and uh, uh, they dropped dead. I mean, aren't you glad that doesn't happen today? Uh, and it was all over money. Can you imagine? They died because they said that they sold their land for so much money when, in fact, they didn't sell it, and they lied to the Holy Spirit over their offering. Seems crazy, doesn't it, that you would do that? And it seems also pretty ironic that God would hold the church accountable so much at that point in time. But lying to the Holy Spirit is never a good thing. We've got to be honest before God and before other people, and uh, we should not lie to the Holy Spirit. Pretty, pretty simple and plain. Uh, fourth thing that we tend to do is uh, the Scripture says that we shouldn't grieve or bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. That's found in Ephesians chapter uh, 4 and verse 30. Also, I think I put it in your notes, Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 10 says, but they rebelled against him and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he became their enemy and fought against them. How many know you don't want God as your enemy? I don't want God as my enemy. I want God to bless me. I don't want him fighting against me. And these people had rejected God. These were God's people, by the way. And let me just go back a little bit. I, I, I kind of neglecting to mention these things that are being talked about, these are not done by worldly people. These are done by Christian people. Uh, First Thessalonians, where it says, do not quench the spirit, that's written to a church. Uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 5, or chapter 4, grieve not the Holy Spirit, that's written to a church. Um, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, we were Christian people who lied to the Holy Spirit. We're not talking anymore necessarily about people outside the church. We're talking about these are things that we can do. These are ways that we sometimes respond to the Spirit and the Scripture tells us not to do. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we use Him to excuse our sinfulness. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to make us holy and to make us more like Jesus, to draw our attention to who Jesus is. And so when we use the Holy Spirit to excuse our pride, our anger, or whatever it is, that's wrong. You can't use the Holy Spirit as an excuse for you to do something wrong. You can't use the Holy Spirit when we uh, pit him against the Scripture. Well, the Holy Spirit said to me, well, I, I, yeah, the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says this. And the Holy Spirit and the Bible always agree. So if you believe the Spirit of God is saying something to you that's not in the Bible, then one of you is wrong, and it's not the Word of God. I remember years ago visiting a lady in church. I wish I knew the whole story. Sometimes as a pastor, people come to me, and they don't tell me the whole story. They only tell me part of the story. But she came to me, and she said to me, she said, um, uh, 
God told me not to come to church anymore. Really? And I, I remember talking to her about it. I remember saying, well, that's odd, because I said, the Bible does say, you know, we should not forget the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We shouldn't stay away from church. The Spirit of God wouldn't tell you to do that because the Word of God says I should go to church. And as I said, I, I didn't know the whole story. I found out later, much later, that somebody in the church, a leader in the church, had done something to her, and that was why she didn't want to come. It wasn't the Spirit saying don't come to church. That was something in her own life saying don't come to church. The Spirit of God does not contradict the Word of God. We need to remind ourselves of that. Uh, another way we grieve the Holy Spirit is when we suggest that he's jealous of our focus on Jesus. Sometimes, even in Christian churches, we get crazy because people will say, well, I focus on Jesus and you can focus on the Holy Spirit. Are you crazy? Let me ask the question again. Are you crazy? The Holy Spirit and Jesus go hand in hand. They're the same. And the Spirit was given to glorify Jesus Christ. So when you suggest that people are too focused on the Holy Spirit or too focused on Jesus, you're, you've got a little nuts. You've got a little off board because the Scripture is very clear that the Spirit and, Holy, and Jesus work together. And we need to remind ourselves of that we grieve the Spirit when we somehow suggest that, that you know, there's somehow an opposition or a, a, a divergence between focusing on Jesus and focusing on the Holy Spirit. That's gone a little crazy. And then lastly, I talk about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It comes from Mark chapter 3, verses 28 to 30. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. You need to get this in context. Jesus had just delivered a man with an evil spirit. He had cast out the evil spirit. And the scribes, again, the religious people, the people who were supposed to know things, they accused Jesus of casting out the demon because Jesus had an evil spirit in him. They attributed what Jesus did to the work of Satan. And Jesus responded in this way, you're on dangerous ground here. When you ignore what God is doing and attribute it to someone else, you're rejecting God. And when you put yourself in a position of rejecting what God is doing, you're in danger of committing what is called an unpardonable or uh, unforgivable sin. Um, let me just say, over the years, I've come across a lot of people who said to me, Pastor, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. If you've committed the unpardonable sin, you don't care. You would never worry about it because you've completely rejected God. You really don't care what God says. Why would you worry about it? But if you're concerned or thinking, oh, maybe I... Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I commit. That means God's still working in your heart. God's still drawing you to himself. So if you happen to be here and you happen to be wondering whether or not you've committed the unpardonable sin, if you're worried at all about it, then that means you haven't. That means God's still speaking to you by his spirit. But let me say to you that we do put ourselves in danger when we come to church week after week and we hear God's word and then we go home and do nothing about it, when we become complacent to the things of God, we can become cold to what the Spirit is doing. 
Um, isn't it amazing how winter creeps up on us? So once in a while you have a big storm, but usually it just gets colder and colder over time. That's how spiritually we get colder and colder over time. And sometimes it's amazing how when the sun comes out, things start to melt and it happens really quickly. But sometimes that thawing takes a, a bit of time, a, a bit of a process. Spiritually, we can become very cold to the place where we reject what God's doing. We just have no time for that, and we, we become cold. We, don't, we have no interest in anything of that. We're content with what we have. I don't want any more. And we become cold to what God is trying to do in our lives. And I urge you, do not do that. Do not turn your back on the Spirit. Every one of us is responsible for how we treat the Spirit. Every one of us. As I said, I have about 170 candles out here today. And um, each one of us, according to Scripture, has the Spirit within us. Remember we talked last week? If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Him. So if you call yourself a believer, you have the Spirit of God in you. You do. And you become a steward. You become responsible for how you respond to the Holy Spirit in your life. Each one of us is responsible. I sometimes hear people say, well, the pastor quenches the Spirit in our church. Or sometimes I'll hear somebody say, well, the worship leader quenches the Spirit in our church. Let me just say completely to you, nobody can quench the Spirit in your life but you. Can I say it one more time? Nobody can quench the Spirit of God in your life but you. You're responsible for nurturing the flame of the Holy Spirit that's in your life. You can't blame somebody else. Oh, I I will say this, that we are part of the body, and we do have to encourage one another. In other words, uh, uh, we we have to recognize that as part of the body, we're, we're, we're individual, and yet it looks pretty good to see all these candles, doesn't it? There's a couple candles here that aren't lit. Just as in church, there's people that come to church that don't have the Spirit of God in them. They've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Oh, you look good on the outside. Don't you like the little candle holders? They're all so pretty. That's like us. We come to church and we look pretty. We're all different, different colors, different shapes. Some of us are tall. Some of us are going to burn for a long time. Some of us are almost burnt out. We're all different. But the Spirit of God is the same within each one of us. But you become accountable for how you let the Holy Spirit burn in your life and how you let the Holy Spirit flow in your life. You're part of a larger body, but how we respond to the Spirit can affect others, how we treat other people, how we talk to other people, how we talk about other people can affect the Spirit of God in your life and it can affect the Spirit of God in other people's lives. Let me give you an instance. Let's say say you have a 10-year-old girl who's struggling with her identity and struggling with her self-acceptance and somebody comes along and says something mean to her, something uh, that's, that's not nice to her at all. You know, you would hate to have that person carry that way. Uh, let, me, let me make it personal. I shouldn't tell this story. I was talking to a guy this week. I won't tell you who, but I was talking to a guy this week and he was, he was, um, he was saying to me when he was a kid in church, when he was a young person in church, there was another young person in their youth group that their, their, their parents always sent them to church. They, they wanted their son to hang out with others in the church, with other kids in the church. And they didn't like this kid. 
And so they always deked out on him. That's the words that was used. We always deked out on him. We always found a way to leave him and, and, and uh, leave him alone and not include him in a part of, of what we did and, and, and what we were doing. So we would go and do this, but we would never tell him where we were going. So he was always excluded. He says, imagine my surprise when about 10 years later, I read in the paper that this guy had gotten into a wrong crowd and had committed a murder and was now in prison for committing murder. This church person said to me, I sometimes wonder if it was because of what we did in ignoring him that that had an influence. Now, let me be honest. Let me just be quite frank. You know, you've got to take responsibility for yourself, and you can't blame other people. But sometimes, sadly, people are at a point in their lives where they really need encouragement and they really need some, some hope and somebody to stand beside them. And if they come to church and they find people talking and bitter and gossiping and all that stuff, that really is hindering the work of the Spirit. It's grieving God's Spirit. It's not helping God do what He wants to do. And so we have these candles. Every one of them represents us. Somewhere on these tables, you are found. And how you respond to the Holy Spirit is up to you. Let me give you a couple things real quickly how you should respond to him. First of all, you need to recognize him. In other words, by recognize him, you at least acknowledge him. Talk about him once in a while. How can you recognize somebody you never want to talk about? Never even want to acknowledge. Uh, Holy Spirit, I need you. Spirit of God, I need you in my life. Just recognize him. Recognize that he's there and what he wants to do. Uh, second thing I would say is welcome him. We used to sing a song, we sang it a couple of weeks ago, but come Holy Spirit, I need you. Come sweet spirit, I pray. Welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives. Welcome him to come and, and do something in our lives. God, I need you by your spirit to speak to me, teach me whatever it is I need. God, I need your spirit. Third thing we can do is provide fuel for the fire. Provide fuel for the fire. In the New Testament times, lights or lamps that were used were not wax candles, but they were oil candles. When the oil runs out, the light goes out. Um, we need to provide fuel. Remember, Jesus told the story of the ten wise and the and the ten or the, the five ten wise and ten foolish. I forget the five wise, five foolish. But the, the certain half of the crowd didn't bring enough oil. And when it came time that they needed the lamp, there was no oil. There was no light. But the wise, they had enough oil for the for the situation. We need to provide fuel for the fire. And by the way, we are fuel for the fire. You can't keep saying, oh God, work in my church. You got to say, oh God, work in me. Holy Spirit, I want you to move in my church. No, that's not good enough. Holy Spirit, I want you to move in me. Holy Spirit, do something in my life. It's not good enough to talk about the church. You are the church. We need the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. And if enough people... If enough people let the Holy Spirit awaken in our lives, it makes an impact. Do you know that every one of these fires could start a house on fire? Every one of those candles today. We have, we have to be careful, obviously. We have to be careful with the, the, the stuff around us because we could burn people. 
I could take this candle and I could burn somebody with it. That's not what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I have to be responsible for the Holy Spirit in my life. Sometimes, sadly, as Pentecostals, we've said things that more, are more offensive to people than helping. And then we blame this, well, the Spirit made me do that. That's not the Spirit. That's just your own pride and foolishness and selfishness. The Spirit doesn't offend people. The Spirit woos people, draws people to himself. But these little flames, as small as they are, you provide the right fuel, you provide the right environment, this little flame could be used to kindle a fire by which you can sit and warm yourself. You can cook food over this. This little flame doesn't seem like much, but provided the right fuel, it has the potential to make a difference. Are you getting the point? You have the Spirit of God in you. How you respond to the Spirit of God, you can hinder, you can grieve, you can ignore, or you can feed. You can feed and welcome the Spirit, and you have the potential, because it's the Spirit of God that's at work in your life, you have the potential to feed, and you have a potential to warm, you have the potential to give direction and guidance to people. You have the, the potential to let the Spirit become a fire, a blazing fire, and as a church put together, huh, I think it's sad. I'm just going to say it's sad. When I came to Barhead 16 years ago, everybody talked to me about the Guinness World Book of Records and how many churches we have. Who cares? Who cares? If the church isn't doing anything, who cares? Who cares how many church buildings there are? The question is, what's the Holy Spirit doing in our lives? Are we making a difference in our community? Are we letting the Spirit burn in our lives? Do we give Him fuel to do something? You may be here today. Let me pick one here that's not going to make a mess. I know they're around. Let me find one here. This one here. You're like this one here. There's no light. There's no fire. Maybe you've not given your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to Jesus. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. But you have the potential, as you surrender your life to Christ, for God's Spirit to come in you and to work through you and to make a difference and to change the world. Because it's not you, it's God's Spirit in you. I'd recommend if you've never given your life to Christ that today's the day you do it. Today's the day you say yes to Jesus Christ. And then, of course, another thing we can do is we can fan the flame. All of us, most of us, should by now recognize that the Spirit of God is in us. The Spirit of God wants to do something in us. Um, popular show nowadays is uh, uh, Survivor. And if you ever watch Survivor, you'll know that occasionally they'll come 
to a place where they have a fire-making contest. And they give people the fuel that they need. And, but you have to have the know-how to get the fire going. You have a little flint and you do that. But how many know that once that spark takes hold, you have to fan the flame? Blow on it a little bit. Blow too much or blow it out. Blow on it a little bit. Give it some oxygen. You need to fan the flame of the Spirit of God in your life. You do that by reading the Word. You've got to read the Word. Don't expect the Spirit of God to do anything in your life if you're not reading the Scriptures. Read the Word. Spend some time in prayer. Get together with other Christians. Talk about the things of God. Hunger for His presence in your life. Let me remind you, the Holy Spirit is not a Pentecostal doctrine. The Holy Spirit is found on the very first page of the Bible. The earth was out form and void. Darkness covered the earth. And the Spirit of God hovered over it. The Spirit of God is on the very first page of the Bible. And in fact, it's on the very last page of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 22, the Bible says, The Spirit and the Bride, you're the Bride, the church. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, Lord Jesus. That's what the Spirit does in our lives. It gives us a hunger for Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say, come Lord Jesus. It's on the first page, it's on the last page, and believe me, it's all through the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. And we are empowered by His Spirit. I want you to listen to an old song. Uh, it's so uh, it, it, Most of you will know it, but uh, most of you old-timers will know it. Excuse me for saying that. Uh, if you know it, you're an old-timer. Um, but just listen to this old song, and then we're going to sing it. I have the words for you. So it's called There is a River, and uh, just listen to it for a few minutes. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's calling to you. He says there's a river that will never run dry. If you come to me, you will have rivers of living water flow from you to touch other people's lives. You'll have forgiveness of sin, purpose, a reason to live, hope. God wants to do so much. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And it comes through the person of Jesus Christ as we say yes to what God wants to do in our lives. Christian, maybe you've sat in this church for years and years and years, and God's been speaking to you by his spirit, and you keep saying no, 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 no. I want to urge you and caution you. Stop saying no to what God is speaking to you about. You do not want to get to the place where God stops talking. And if you refuse to listen to what God says by his Holy Spirit, there may come a time when God simply says, I guess he's not interested. I guess he's not going to listen to me. I would say, give yourself a chance to say yes to God. There's a river that will never run dry. We have prayer, uh, prayer team people, and uh, some of them are away with, uh, with the holidays and different things like that. But if you're here today, prayer team, want to come and make yourselves available, we're just going to sing that song, uh, a cappella. Uh, there is a river that flows from deep within. Why don't you stand with me and sing along with me? The words are going to be on the screen. <laughs>